Chapter 7 Individuals want magic, but do not believe in magic. Individuals want change, but do not believe that they can change. Individuals believe in strange things. In this chapter, we are going to take a quick detour. We're going to take a detour and dig into some mindset ideas or habits of mind. The thinking habits we all have. Our thinking habits can either be supportive or detrimental. It depends on how we use them. This first habit of mind is the idea that we cannot change. My gosh, this one will not die. This one will not go away. And this has become what is called a vampire myth. This is an old idea that just won't die. No matter how many times you drag it into the sunshine, it simply crawls back into the darkness and revives itself again. The experiment has been run, the jury is back in, or whatever analogy you want to use. The simple answer to this is that we can change, and we can change at any age. The evidence is all in. Not only is it possible to change, we change anyway. The question here is do we change by design, or do we change by circumstance or accident? When someone declares that they can't change, all that they are saying is that they are in their comfort zone and they are not prepared to move beyond it. They have learned the things which work well enough for them to keep them breathing and that's good enough for them. The question is, is this good enough for you? Every icon, mentor or example that we aspire to and look up to constantly pushes beyond their comfort zone. That's how they got there. That's how they got to where they are now. Pushing past your comfort zone is not a bad idea. It's a fantastic idea. The next one is the magic pull syndrome. This is the idea that everything can be solved in one single magic pull. We have been conditioned since we were young that when we have an ailment, we simply go to the doctor or the pharmacy. We get a box of magic pulls. We take two and call the doctor in the morning. Apparently, a pull fixes everything. This is good for some things. It is. But it simply does not work for everything. The crazy part is, we actually know this. And even crazier, humans live in an unconscious denial. We live in a comfortable lie. We want a magic solution, but we do not believe in magic. We don't believe that that magic solution exists. When we can move from the mystery of magic to being magically practical, this turns fantasy into reality. When we turn fantasy into reality, it makes it measurable, it makes it tangible, and makes it specific. Believe in magic, and magic will happen to you. Another habit of mind here is comparison. Now we all do this at some level. This is not a criticism. I'm simply stating the obvious. I'm stating a habit of mind. Living your life comparing yourself to others serves a few functions. Here are just three of them. One, it orientates you. It lets you know how you are doing according to your own and your common values. Two, it gives you something to work towards or move away from. It gives you mentors and it gives you examples of what bad decisions look like. And three, it could leave you constantly feeling bad about yourself and this is the most common one and the deadliest. Most of the people and the things we compare ourselves to is their highlight reel. Most of what we see, especially on social media, is all the good stuff. 
we only see the surface stuff, it is almost never the whole picture. We have all heard the statement that the grass is greener on the other side, until we get there and discover that it's astroturf, or that it is only so green, because there's so much shit there. Be aware of who you compare yourself to. Be very careful of this one. I can't stress this one enough. Even though the best thing to do is focus on wellness and staying healthy without getting ill, we all tend to wait too long and we only seek support when it gets really, really bad. When it comes to our wellness, our internal health, the best thing to do is to do the work up front. And at some level, we say, yes, this makes sense. The idea is to stay healthy without getting ill. Even though this exists in our head, we all tend to wait a little too long and we only seek support when things get really bad. It's only when things go bad when we realize that what we've been doing is not fixing the problem. Of course, if we learned the best strategies up front, ahead of time, then yes, then we would not have to worry about things getting worse because we can repair them before they do. It's like sending your car in for a service before it breaks down. The breakdown, the breakdown is way more inconvenient and way more costly than to just send it in for a service on a regular basis. However, we all tend to think that we can push it just a little bit further. The best thing to do is to do the self-work up front, before it gets harder, before it gets worse, and before it gets harder and harder and harder, and then suddenly it feels too hard. When it starts feeling harder and harder to do, this becomes overwhelming. Suddenly a simple issue becomes very complicated. What was once just a few things or something really small becomes a whole cluster of very big things. Even though I've just mentioned this and informed you of this, this flies over our heads. We only come to awareness when the damn wall breaks and the internal flooding is raging. This is when we wake up. It's only when we wake up we seek out a solution. Remember, we all want to push it just a little further. Keep in mind, these are not judgments. This is simply how humans work. It's when we are aware of these mechanisms, when we catch these things up front, when we become aware that we are just pushing it a little too far. That's when we need to send the car in for a service. That is when we need to take stock of what we are doing and where that doing is taking us. Next is dealing with the positive and the negative. At the higher level, positive and negative are just judgments. However, this is in our language, and this gives us something to work with. Basic psychology and therapy, these tend to first start with the negative, even though their intentions are very positive. Basic therapy tends to start with the question, what do you perceive is wrong with you? This is not a bad place to start. This needs to be done to create contrast and to measure progress. The idea is to go from a low number to high numbers. And even if your numbers are already high, then how can we push them even further? How can we increase them even higher? Personally, I tend to lean to the positive side, the optimistic side. I'm totally optimistic for being better and feeling better. This is my goal, my role, and my purpose for this. In general terms, not everyone is here. Sometimes the number is in the negative. Then my question is, how do we move from being in the negative to being in the positive? And then ultimately, how do we push that number and get you to 100? And when I say 100, it's whatever that means for you. It's to get you to your ultimate place. It's whatever being at 100 means for you. Next. Next is dealing with the self-talk and the inner voices just firing off without our permission. 
Sometimes we can hear it, most of the time we can't. And the inner self-talk we're going to deal with here is the self-talk of, this will never work for me, or I will never get this right. Well, as Henry Ford said, whether you believe you can or you believe you can't, both ways you are right. Whether you believe that this will never work for you or believe that this will work for you, either way, you are right. It comes down to this little voice firing off in your head. This little voice firing off inside of you, I call this the inner critic. I've done a lot of recordings on this one. Your inner critic is constantly trying to keep you safe, and that's important. Let's not fire our inner critic yet. And your inner critic tries to keep you safe by keeping everything the same. No matter where you are in your comfort zone, as long as we are breathing, it wants to keep everything the same. The way your inner critic does this is to constantly criticize you. Constantly criticize you, question your judgment, and ultimately be distrusting of anything new. Your inner critic is suspicious and is constantly looking out for danger. On the one hand, this is a really good thing. Until it is not. Ask yourself a simple question. Who is really in charge of your life? Your inner critic? The one who is constantly judging yourself? Or is it you? The one who wants a better life? What is it going to take to silence your inner critic so that you can be free and breathe that sigh of relief that you crave? Well, of course, you can use these tools. And one of the tools for this is somatic quietening. When you calm down the signal-to-noise ratio so that you can hear all these little subtleties in the background. When you're checking for assumptions and assertions. In other words, the difference between opinions or fact. When you bring all of this into your awareness and know that you're standing at that fork in the road. The one path leads you to hell and the other one takes you to your happiness. And simply ask yourself, which choice am I going to make? You see, these tools work really well here. This internal dialogue and these feelings are also connected to trust. At some level, you're asking yourself if you can trust me. Your inner critic is also chiming in on us. Your inner critic tends to fire off with things like, I will only trust them when, and then fill in the blank. When you go first, or you do these things for me, whatever it is. The big question with trust is, what will it take for you to trust yourself? Can you trust yourself? When we arrive at this trust thing with the attitude of, well, I'll only trust you if you go first. Okay. What do you think this is? What do you think this presentation is? Imagine if two individuals needed to trust each other. They're sitting in a room staring at each other, and they're both needed to trust each other to get out of the room. Imagine if their inner dialogue was, I'll trust you when you go first. I'll trust you when you go first. No, I'll trust you when you go first. Well, if you go first, then I'll trust you. Well, that's fine. I'll trust you when you go first. And so on. This would be an infinite tennis match of just hitting the ball back and forth the whole time and going nowhere. When it comes to these tools, even if you ask yourself, I wonder if I can trust this. I created this so that you can become aware of these things. How much more would you require from me before you make a move? Before you'll do something with this? All of the above mentioned in this chapter is all part of your toolbox. It's all part of your inner workings. It's all part of the tools that you need to start working on them. Each tool and inner mechanism is all connected. It's kind of like your ankle's connected to your shin. Your shin's connected to your knee. Your knee's connected to your hip. Oftentimes we just don't see the relationship between the hip and the ankle. They might not be directly connected, yet they are connected. When it comes to our results, oftentimes we do not like the results that we have. To get the results that we desire, we need a tool to examine what we have. 
We need a tool to get clear on what we want. And then we need a way forward. We need a map. A map to get us from where we are to where we want to be. And too often we miss what is right in front of us. The roadmap or the GPS is already available to us, but we just don't use it. This toolbox is just a start. What we've been doing so far is working on a deep neurological level. This works at a neurological level, a brain structure level, and when used, this changes behavior. And it's only once we change our behaviors where we start to see our results. And this is the small win that the brain needs. Once we see our results, we start making the appropriate adjustments. It's small little tweaks here, it's little deviations there, it's waking up early or going to bed earlier. It's small little changes which make the big difference. When we seek support in our endeavors and to take us further, there are many mediums of support. Many. There are books, there are schools, there are coaches, there are mentors, there are movies, good friends, counselors, seminars, workshops, and more. There's a whole lot of stuff. There are many mediums of support. Personally, I've used all of these. My personal weapon of choice, or tool for that matter, I personally prefer workshops, how-to guides, and fantastic mentors. I make sure that I'm in orbit of at least three good mentors at all times, at minimum. We all have our own preferences. We all have our own tools and our own mediums for support. To support us in our endeavors and to take us further, there are many different mediums of support. Engaging these for support, not for entertainment.